Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, my pal from St. Agnes in Rockville Center, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Doing terrific, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is good. Uh, and the topic this week is sort of in the form of a question. Can a faithful Catholic disagree with the church and still remain in full communion? So, so first of all, we're talking about you know practicing Catholics, not disengaged or Catholics in name only. And we're not focusing on the rules per se, but rather on the beliefs of the church. So first of all, Sarzo, what does the church believe and teach us, Frank? Yeah, like you said, I mean, today we want to try to break down the importance of the different categories and what they are. And I think the first thing we have to talk about is the distinction we make between uh, the dogmas of the church and doctrines. Uh, Dogmas are truths that are divinely revealed, and they are declared um, as such by the infallible teaching authority of the church. Doctrines, on the other hand, are teachings of the magisterium, which is the teaching arm of the church on matters of faith and morals. And they don't all bear the same uh, weight or demand the same level of obedience. And it's kind of what the church calls the hierarchy of truths. You know, believing Jesus is the son of God is more important, say, than fasting on Fridays during Lent. You know, the idea is not to suggest that certain teachings are optional while others are mandatory, but rather just to differentiate a little between the two, you know. You're right. So you start us off with dogma. As you said, it's a truth that's divinely revealed to us by God and then authoritatively taught by the church. So we believe in God, the creator of all things, right? And we believe in Jesus Christ, who is both God and man. So the divinity of Christ is dogma. You know, and then we say we believe in the Holy Spirit which Jesus spoke of in the Bible, three persons in one God. And that becomes definitive doctrine, as you said, which explains and expounds on and safeguards the divine revelation. So the Holy Trinity is definitive doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Dogmas are at the top of the list. I think that's important. And like you said, the divinity of Christ, the real presence, the resurrection of the body, they're non-negotiable, and they'll, ne- they'll never change, and they require us to believe in them. Cool. That's why we stand up on Sunday and say them out loud in the creed. Right. If you don't believe a dogmatic, sta- a dogmatic statement of the church, you really can't call yourself a member of the church. It would be considered heresy. And why would you stand up and say these things if you did not believe them? So, And then there are these divinely revealed statements of faith that communicate God's saving message of salvation. So the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, right? Transubstantiation, that was declared, the church has always believed this, but the church, it was declared a dogma of faith by the Council of Trent, 1551. And it was articulated by the council to clarify church teaching during the Catholic Reformation. And in fact, look, these kinds of truths of faith have been declared dogmatically throughout the ages. I mean, there's two instances in recent times the Immaculate Conception of Mary was declared by Pius IX in 1854, and the Assumption of Mary into Heaven was declared by Pius XII in 1950. And in both of these cases, the, the bishops worldwide were consulted, and then these teachings were proclaimed infallibly. They were matters of faith which had been revealed to us by God. Yeah, they're dogmas. Um, the next would be, you know, like we talked, you said you had mentioned definitive doctrines. 
Like an example of that would be uh, the books given to us in the Bible by the church, right? The male only priesthood, the Holy Trinity. They're also irreformable. They can't be changed. The difference between the dogma and the definitive doctrine is that instead of full assent of faith, the faithful must show a firm acceptance of them or a belief of them to be true. And disagreeing with these teachings does not remove from uh, one from the church, but it's not recommended. Right. All right. Then we move over to these concrete moral imperatives, right? They're strongly felt principles that compel a person to act. So, so for example, uh, the so-called just war, yeah. uh, if it's being conducted to protect people and yet innocent civilians are killed, would we be free to protest against that war? I'd say yes. Right, Frank. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Catholic portray another example. We the church believes in that in vitro fertilization, for example, is never acceptable because it removes conception from the marital act. Correct. Now, one one can disagree with these things, but they require a, a religious docility of will and intellect. We read right. Yes, you know, on on authoritative doctrine, which comes in the form of the con uh, concrete moral authority of the church. Because these teachings are not directly from scripture or tradition itself and rely on a particular historical context, these teachings are not irreformable. Right. And when we say historical context, you know, you brought up in vitro fertilization. That did not exist in the 1700s, 1800s, 1500s. Right? In, in simpler terms, you've got to make a genuine effort to accept uh, authoritative doctrine. Basically, what we're saying is if, if the church is teaching it, you can't ignore it. Well, I think, too, that maybe the way we frame this should be shifted a little bit. Instead of thinking, I must believe all these things or I'm not a Catholic, maybe we change it to uh, we challenge our own selves to trust in the wisdom of the church. So, for example, end of life decisions, right? The church guides us to understand that we can preserve a person's life through ordinary means, but not extraordinary means in which the burdens would outweigh the benefits to the person. Or another one, physician-assisted suicide. Do we think that because we, our aunt, our grandmother, our mother is suffering, that ending her suffering is more merciful than the infinite mercy of God? Or am, am I interfering with God's plan by su supporting a uh, physician-assisted suicide? So I think it's a good idea to, to ask ourselves, can I trust in the teachings of the church? Yeah. And the thing, too, is like you have to really, really look into why the church exactly what they teach. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, a society today wants to do is is, is pull on our, our heartstrings, like emotional stuff. Like you said, oh, you know, this person is really suffering. Therefore, you should end their life or, you know, uh, there are other examples of stuff like that where they try to like get your emotions going, but you have to think about it with your intellect and understand and learn what the church teaches. What the basis for the teaching is, correct. So yeah. we know that God loves us as individual human beings and who, who can enter into relations with him through prayer and the sacraments. That's a good basis for starting off about and then, then approaching the teachings that way. And each being a human being's soul is immortal. Each one of us is accountable at death for our actions. Those are kinds of those are Catholic thoughts which help us approach uh, the, 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 the magisterial teachings of the church. And we might ask ourselves, Frank, at what point am I not trusting in the wisdom 
of church teachings, right? I mean, where do I separate myself from the church in terms of its teachings? And is it possible for me to look more carefully, as you said, at the moral basis and rationale for the teaching? And then can I allow myself with trust to be guided by the church? Yeah, like you said, it, it doesn't come down to which, you know, which do I choose and which don't I? That, you know, we have 2,000 years behind us of the great doctors of the church that think that we in our little mind can say, okay, I'm going to accept this and not accept that, um, you know, is, is kind of uh, pride, right? The point of all of it, right, is not merely to look at the penalties or to shoot for the bare minimums, like not getting thrown out you know, as our goal, I have to realize disobedience to these doctors, dogmas and doctrines are sinful. And we might find certain aspects very challenging and we may struggle to fully agree, but that doesn't give us license to deny them. Ask questions, learn about the faith, and don't forget the Holy Spirit is at work always in the church. Well, amen. I mean, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, those enable us to embrace and live the Christian life. I think that's that's the, the direction from which we must uh, approach this. Amen. Thanks, Frank. Okay, folks, don't forget to like us and follow us and send us an email at anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. That's anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. Frank, as always, I love you a lot. I'll talk to you next time, okay? God bless, Deacon. Thanks. Thanks.